Part four and final of session 78, let's talk about how we process catalysts through the archetypical mind. Let's begin. Well, so far we have discussed a lot of archetypical mind in this session and some cosmology. So it's fitting that we end with some more conversation about the archetypical mind as we continue to study it with the material that we have in sequence. Um, I think this is a good opportunity to mention that, of course, if you're listening to this and you have no idea what the archetypical mind is and you want to study it, then it's uh, it's not something that's going to happen uh, necessarily or understand it in just listening to this and um, especially the conversation the, the format that we have these books on which is a conversation it's helpful but it's not structured in a way that you can you can follow it because as you can understand it was done asking the questions about this uh, interesting topic right so that's something I'll probably say uh, several times during the podcast because it's it's important to mention that if you want to study this archetypical mind, I mean, if you want to study anything within the raw material, obviously you want to focus on that and um, browse the whole material for, for everything that is related to it. Because even in the beginning stages of the conversation between Don and Ra, there's a lot of information that is relevant to understand the archetypical mind through the tarot as Ra explains it. So uh, just something to consider, remember. And the way I'm I'm covering this material is just going question by question and just giving my own insights. And like I said, I'm not a student of the tarot and the archetypical mind. So I thought it was a good opportunity to end the session and also to continue to refresh that. Okay. So, uh, last time we left on question 29, let's go straight into question 30, which is Don asking, are the seven archetypes for mind a function of or related to the seven densities that are to be experienced in the octave? Ross says the relationship is tangential in that no congruency may be seen. However, the progress through the archetypes has some of the characteristics of the progress through the densities. These relationships may be viewed without being, shall we say, pasted upon the other. So in essence, is there a, is there a relationship between the seven densities and the archetypical mind? Why? Because we have three cycles, and that's mind, body, and spirit. But each cycle is composed of seven concepts. And those seven concepts are matrix, potentiator, catalyst, experience, significator, transformation, and great way, right? I think I got them all. Did I miss one? No, I think I got them all. <laughs> uh, so it's seven, right? And so it looks like a sequence and it's actually a cycle. And you can say that in a cycle, there are sequences. Uh, and that's the relationships that are between the archetypes themselves. But the relationship is, I think what Ra is saying here is that it's, there is no direct relationship, even though 
we can say that there is a relationship between, say, the evolution of mind, body, and spirit, right? There's a, there's a process of evolution that is happening there, of learning lessons. And the octave is basically the same thing, just at a macroscopic level within the, the whole experience of the creator. So there is a relationship in terms of lessons learned, evolution, um, experience in general, all these things, but there is no direct relationship, I think, is what they're saying between, say, first density and the matrix, second density and potentiator and so on. Uh, that's why they say these relationships may be viewed without being pasted upon the other. At least that's what I think. So, next question. Don says in question 31, how about the seven bodily energy centers? Are they related to archetypes in some way? It's a good question, actually. Ross says, the same may be said of these. It is informative to view the relationships, but stifling to insist upon the limitations of congruency. Recall at all times, if you would use this term, uh, what's the term that they're using? They got me here. Anyhow, <laughs> recall at all times, if you would use this term, that the archetypes are a portion of the resources of the mind complex. So the archetypes are a portion of the resources of the mind complex. So there's a, there's a couple of things that I can take out of here. Uh, okay, again, so these seven energy centers are the chakras, what we know. I mean, the way there is to me, there is no difference between our seven energy centers and the seven densities other than the experiences that are perceived through the uh, through the mind, right? In the end, we can always compress mind, body, spirit into mind, because there is just the mind um, receiving the influxes of the spirit, and the what should I call it? The uploading of the body, right? So the mind is the center of all of this. And so, yeah, that's, there is a, there's obviously a direct relationship between energy centers and densities of consciousness. We can see that already. Um, so the same thing can be said, right, for, for this, this mind or soul, some people call it soul, I like to call it just mind, there is a mind, there is a movement, and that mind does have, it, it's okay to call it soul uh, as a uh, synonym. So in, in, in this context, this, um, this relationship is, is not there with the archetypical mind. Again, I think the other thing that is important that they mention here is that at the end where they say, um, recall that the archetypes are, are a portion of the resources of the mind complex. If I, I interpret this right, the archetypes, of course, are a portion of the mind complex, of the resources of the mind complex. The mind complex is only in third density. That's key, because I talked about 
mind within the seven densities of consciousness, soul progressing, right? This soul progression of the seven densities of consciousness, experience in general for the creator within the specific windows that we call mind. These, uh, these minds are, are the souls that are progressing through the densities of consciousness, right? And so it is only complex in third density so the archetypes are portion are a portion of the resources of this mind complex. So it's uh, it's only for third density again. And another thing that Ross said, of course, is that it's informative to see the relationships, but stifling to insist upon the limitations of congruency. So it's it's perhaps not so productive to continue to insist on possible congruencies between these relationships but just to see the general aspect of it that's what i see and it's basically all i i can take out of this so let's go to the next question don says question 32 then is there any relationships between the archetypes and the planets of our solar system I think we're finding again the same, um, the same thing here. But now we're talking about another way of studying the archetypical mind, which is astrology. So Ra says, this is not a simple query. Properly, the archetypes have some relationships to the planets. However, this relationship is not one which can be expressed in your language. This, however, has not halted those among your people who have become adepts from attempting to name and describe these relationships. To most purely understand, if we may use this misnomer, the archetypes, it is well to view the concepts which make up each archetype and reserve the study of planets and other correspondences for meditation. So, big answer here. Um, okay, so the archetypes have some relationships to the planets. Okay, as far as I understand, if there is a way to study the archetypical mind through astrology, then that includes the planets, right? Um, or it totally includes the planets. Yes, it, it must include the planets. Okay, so yeah, I'm just remembered that there is also uh, the signs are included here too, right? That's the 22, the 10 planets and the signs or constellations I'm not sure so that that's the study of the archetypical mind through the through astrology uh, so I think that's a relationship that there is a relationship not directly between them like say matrix uh, significator and so on and planets like Venus and Jupiter and the moon and all of these things I know it sounds weird to call the moon a planet but that's astrology um so yeah there is there is a relationship there ron says however this relationship is not one which can be expressed in your language um okay so maybe there's no way to connect the relationship that is between yes that that's the way i can see it there are archetypes in mind body and spirit that cannot be directly related to the planets right the way they function uh, 
But the relationship that I see is there, that that's undeniable. Both of them can be studied for understanding the archetypical mind. All right. So Rock continues and says, This, however, has not halted those among your peoples who have become adepts from attempting to name and describe these relationships. So there has been attempts, but I I am aware that these attempts, just like I think is the Kabbalah, which is the other, the tree of life, some people have attempted to connect them and unsatisfactory always. So they have failed basically because it's not it's not an easy thing to do. And it's probably not a necessary thing to do, right? But hey, we're curious people and we like to do things. <laughs> That's what we are, we're humans. To most purely understand the archetypes, it is well to view the concepts which make up each archetype and reserve the study of planets and other correspondences for meditation. So if you want to understand the archetypes, I don't think the archetypes as we know them in the Tarot can be understood in astrology. I don't know, maybe, but it seems like what Ra said to study each independently is it's a, it's an important thing. I don't know to what extent we're all humans and want to do whatever we want. So uh, whether we follow it or not, that's just the possible results, I guess. So, um, yeah, and leave the study of planets and other correspondences for meditation. So if we want to understand the archetypes, let's just study the concepts and leave the rest for contemplation, I suppose. All right, let's move on. Question 33, Don says, It just seemed to me that since the planets were an outgrowth of the Logos, and since the archetypical mind was the foundation for the experience, that the planets of this Logos would be in some way related. We will certainly follow your suggestion. Good. Now we have a long question or assessment from Don here, so let's just read it all. I have been trying to get a foothold into an undistorted doorway, you might say, into the archetypical mind. It seems to me that everything that I have read having to do with archetypes is, to some degree or another, distorted by those who have written and the fact that our language is not really capable of description. You have spoken of the magician as a basic archetype and that this, and that this seems to have been carried through from the previous octave. Would this then be, if there is an order, the first archetypical concept of this Logos? And Ra says, we would first respond to your confusion as regards to the various writings upon the archetypical mind. Okay. Ra says, you may well consider the very informative difference between a thing in itself and its relationships or functions. There is much study of archetype, which is actually the study of functions, relationships, and correspondences. The study of planets, for instance, is an example of archetype seen as function. However, the archetypes are, first and most profoundly, things in themselves, and the pondering of them and their purest relationships with each other should be most useful foundation, should be the most useful foundation for the study of the archetypical mind. So let me stop there because there's a lot here. <laughs> there's a lot that I can't even uh plunge into okay so again Don is asking um, 
archetypes to some degree or another distorted by those okay this question is you've spoken of the magician as a basic archetype so yeah i i don't know what the, i can't see the relationship between the answer that Ra gave and don's question here because what i'm i guess i'm fixated on what don said that the magician as a basic archetype that was carried over from the previous octave that's because the harvest of the previous octave yield a matrix potentiator and significator and it was very fruitful at that point and so don is asking if this this archetype then be uh, if there is an order the first archetype concept or archetypical concept of this logos and Ra is responding something that seems different maybe I haven't read the full question let's see all right so we may well they say that first they're going to respond to confusion in terms of okay yes the various writings upon the archetypical mind right okay 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 so they're answering the um, the confusion of the different writers of the archetypical mind. Okay, so you may well consider the very informative difference between a thing in itself and its relationships or functions. So, relationships and functions seems to be the, the two words that are important here. There is much study of archetype, which is actually the study of functions, relationships and correspondences. Okay, so functions, relationships, and correspondences. Let's add correspondences there. The study of planets, for instance, is an example of archetype seen as function. So you can study the archetypical mind through the planets in terms of function. Um, however, the archetypes are, first and most profoundly, things in themselves, and the pondering of them in and their purest relationships with each other should be the most useful foundation for the study of the archetypical mind. So what I get here is that studying the, um, the archetypical mind as relationships is more useful than studying them as functions. So planets may have an influence in the archetypical mind for functions and those functions may not be as helpful as studying the specific concepts of the archetypical mind which are the things in themselves that's what Ra is calling here right so I think that's what they're saying should be the most useful foundation for the study of the archetypical mind yeah so they're saying that the most useful foundation for the study of the archetypical mind is to see those maybe then you can see the uh, the functions of the planets I don't know I'm guessing here let's see what else Ra has to say we now address your query as to the archetype which is the matrix of the mind as to its name the name of magician is understandable when you consider that consciousness is the great foundation mystery and revelation which makes this particular density possible right the self-conscious entity is full of the magic of that which is to come it may be considered first for the mind is the first of the complexes to be developed by the student of 
spiritual evolution. Okay, so they're saying yes to it may be considered first for the mind is the first of the complexes to be developed by the student of spiritual evolution. Right, yes. Okay, so that makes sense. Now, to the other part of Don's question, or yeah, let's call it a question. Is the matrix of the mind as being first? And so the magician is understandable. Um, we'll talk about more this because I have something to say about the magician and why it's called that for the archetypical mind uh, in the matrix of the mind. As to its name, okay, so when you consider that consciousness is the great foundation, mystery and revelation, which makes this particular density possible. Right, so consciousness in this context is what we are, right? That is what we know of ourselves. All we know about ourselves is consciousness, awareness. That's it. Uh, that is the, the closest we can get to the essence of reality. And we can say that actually that is the essence of reality. It's the only thing that we have in common uh, without any without any interpretation, without any mind, without the mind getting in the way, let's put it that way. So consciousness precedes the mind. Um, and thus there is a conscious mind, but that's, that's even a little redundant to say, at least in my vocabulary. The self-conscious entity, and that would be us, third density humans, is full of the magic of that which is to come. Um, so the unconscious, I suppose, right? That's, that's the great resource. It may be considered first, for the mind is the first of the complexes to be developed by the student of spiritual evolution. So yeah, we can say that the mind is first, like I said before, uh, first and uh, I would say center, the heart of the creation is the mind. The mind is what processes everything into experience. So. Okay, that's my my closest attempt <laughs> to uh, unravel all of this. Let's move on. Question 34, Don says, would the archetype then that has been called the high priestess, which represents the intuition, be properly the second of the archetypes? This is correct. Ra says, you see here the recapitulation of the beginning knowledge of this logos that is matrix and potentiator the unconscious is indeed what may be poetically described may be poetically be described as high priestess for it is the potentiator of the mind and as potentiator for the mind is that principle which potentiates all experience so that's the first relationship that I think is important to establish in the archetypical mind. There is the matrix, conscious mind, and then there is the potentiator, unconscious mind. The conscious mind seeks the unconscious. That's why it is male and female. Male, conscious, female, unconscious. So it seeks. It, um, it's reaching out to the, to the unconscious mind. And that produces a catalyst, which is the next, say, couple which is catalyst and experience. And when this catalyst is processed, as I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, that's, that's the cycle, or at least the, what, um, 
what is called the minor cycle. Joe Cortez calls it the, the minor cycle, I think it is. And this catalyst, when is is used by the, the conscious mind efficiently, then yields experience. And that's the four, the first four um, archetypes or concepts within the archetypical mind. So yeah, uh, you see, Don said that yes, the unconscious mind or the high priestess, the intuition, and that, that's actually pretty good, represents the intuition. Because the unconscious mind, I would say the unconscious mind, it's not the intuition. Um, although the intuition is part of it, it's like the channel in which it communicates its, its information to the conscious mind, right? When we intuit something, then we are listening to the unconscious mind, which the conscious mind cannot really explain. It just says, well, I just know it. <laughs> I simply know it. Uh, that's why we say also that intuition is feminine. It's a feminine energy that we all have. So the unconscious is indeed that which may be poetically described as high priestess, for it is the potentiator of the mind, right? As I said, it's the one that potentiates the mind with, um, with resources for the, for, for the matrix to, um, to change, to record new things into its... Um, it's experiential continuum. And as potentiator for the mind is that principle which potentiates all experience. That makes sense. So Don is going to continue with this. And say, then for the third archetype, would the Empress be correct and be related to disciplined meditation? Uh, yeah, maybe. Ross says, what, is they, what do they say? I perceive a mind complex intention of a query, but was aware only of sound vib vibratory statement. Please re-question, so right, ask again. I was asking if the third archetype was the Empress and was it correct to say that this archetype had to do with discipline meditation? Ross says the third archetype may be broadly be grasped as the catalyst of the mind. Thus, it takes in far more than, it takes in far more than discipline meditation. However, it is certainly through this faculty that Catalyst is most efficiently used. Okay, so yeah, it, just like intuition, even though they didn't say it, it's a part of it, but it's not really uh, it. So let's read more and then we'll, we'll make a stop. Ross says the archetype three, which is the Empress and the Catalyst of the mind, is perhaps confusedly called Empress. Although the intention of this misnomer of this nomer, I, I correct myself, the intention of this nomer or name is the understanding that it represents the unconscious or female portion of the mind complex being first, shall we say, used or ennobled by the male or conscious portion of the mind, thus the noble name. It makes sense actually that the catalyst be female because it's producing, so I don't know, here, here's a little beautiful poetic description of the four, the first four archetypes. There is the male reaching to the unconscious, matrix reaching to uh, potentiator, and the potentiator is going to generate catalyst for the mind, for the conscious mind to process, right? And that will yield experience. So there is the 
conscious minds seeking the unconscious basically in its experiential continuum that produces catalysts continuous catalysts that catalyst may be processed by the conscious mind and then yield experience so that's why it's female seems to me the female is is um, first the unconscious or the potentiator which yields another female type of energy or uh, information which needs to be pondered you see it needs to be understood um, and it's funny actually that in our cultures we uh, we have this uh, running joke, which hopefully at this time it's not something that is offensive still. <laughs> uh, so many things are offensive now. But there is the running joke that women are difficult to understand. Um, that's because they exhibit, mostly, most of them exhibit uh, a strong female energy. Duh, obvious. Uh, they do exhibit that. That's just like most men exhibit a male energy. And so it is difficult to understand because it is difficult to uh, create logic out of them. But if you have ever lived with a woman, or if you're a woman and maybe you have lived with other women, <laughs> and maybe you don't understand them, that's also why there is the running joke in culture that men understand each other uh, quite well intellectually. Because yes, we use that and we can agree on intellectual terms and all of this. However, women, they don't get along. Again, this is just a generalization. I'm sorry uh, if this is something sensitive, but I don't think you're the kind of audience that would be sensitive to this. <laughs> so I can speak my mind. Um, but yeah, there is, there is that running joke, right? That's just a generalization, perhaps a stereotype. But it is true. When these energies are manifested and uh, exhibited, in such a strong way then these things naturally need to follow it is difficult to understand that which is unconscious but you know that if this is why i said if you have lived with women uh, or you have been able to understand women in this case then you can see that is it's an understanding that doesn't take place in logical functions but rather in empathizing with whatever their experience is you know, and perhaps that's a great uh, way to illustrate the way in, we, in which we process our own catalyst. You see, because catalyst is not something that we can understand properly intellectually, but rather something that needs to be accepted, you see, and, and understood in the way of knowledge or knowing, simply knowing the catalyst, right? I'll give some of my, my own... Um, my own practices or the way I process catalysts in uh, later on um, probably do it in the conclusions but yeah uh, that that's how I see it and that's why I see uh, potentiator and catalyst being feminine in the sense that they they provide this uh, this information for the male portion of the mind to to deal with in in a way that it can it, it can use the intellect it doesn't have to obviate the intellect but it's just it's more closely related to acceptance acceptance without uh, too much logical explanation that's how i see it and so okay ross says the archetype three 
uh, I don't know why they say confusedly called the Empress. Although the intention of this number is to understand that it represents the unconscious, right? Okay, or female, yes. Um, so maybe the Empress is not. I've known of people that change the um, the name of the archetypes, and I guess that's that's fine. That's what I find most confusing of studying these because I don't know, it's just not my thing to see so many different names and interpretations. Uh, you have to have a knack for it. So, but yeah. It represents the unconscious or female. So catalyst represents the, um, it's almost like the movement of the unconscious. The unconscious produces catalyst. Um, portion of the mind complex being first, shall we say, used or ennobled by the male, right? So this archetype is when it's first used or ennobled. Um, I don't know if, if they are including here the negative path and the positive by saying used by the negative or ennobled by the positive, or maybe they're synonyms. I don't know. But it's important to know over time when we study the archetypical mind as we go on that the negative entity wants to abuse the, art, the, the unconscious. It wants to prostitute it. It wants to use it for its own purposes. Whereas the positive... What it wants to do is ennoble it, to court the unconscious mind, to to love it, to respect it, to give it its space. That kind of romantic relationship that we find in, again, our cultures, men and women, or I should even say male and female, regardless of gender, because that is a reality. Uh, by the male or conscious portion of the mind, thus the noble name. Uh, that's why they call it the Empress, because it's, it's, it's a noble part of the process of the mind using Catalyst. So, that is, that's Catalyst. Let's move on, we have more about this. Question 37, Don says, the fourth archetype called the Emperor seems to have to do with the experience of other selves and the green ray energy center with respect to other selves. Is this correct? So, Ra says, this is perceptive. The broad name of for archetype four may be the experience of the mind. In the Tarot, you, mind, you find the name of emperor. Again, this implies nobility. And in this case, we may see the suggestion that it is only through the catalyst which has been processed by the potentiated consciousness that experience may ensue. Thusly is the conscious mind ennobled by the use of the vast resources of the unconscious mind. This instrument, dorsal side grows stiff and the instrument tires. We welcome one more query. Um, oh, so this is, this is basically the last question we have. Okay, so let's, let's find out. We're talking about the fourth archetype here, which is the Emperor. And again, we find another noble name for this. Seems to have to do with the experience of other selves and the green ray energy center with respect to other selves. I see a relationship, but it's, I don't see it all being this, like the Emperor or experience is not totally related to green ray energy center. Well, maybe, maybe, yes. Right, because that, that's when we're processing experience on in one way or another. 
positive or negative. We're using catalyst for positive or negative polarization, right? So it makes sense. Ross says this is perceptive. Okay. The broad name of the archetype for may be the experience of the mind. Good. I like that better. In the tarot, you find the name Emperor. Again, this implies nobility. And in this case, we may see the suggestion that it is only through the catalyst which has been processed by the potentiated consciousness that experience may ensue. So right, you need to you need to ennoble the mind, right? That's why they call it the emperor. That's the the relationship between um, being a royal name rather than something else. Um, for for us to have experience, the catalyst needs to have been um, processed and ennobled, I guess, by the conscious mind. And again, we see the relationship between male uh, matrix and experience because it's the it's it's the perceivable I may say yes I would go with perceivable is the perceivable part of the the whole experiential continuum right whereas catalyst and potentiator are veiled in mystery right that makes sense. And so the emperor again <clears throat> is male in that it can be uh, experience can be described. Let's pull it. Let's put it that way. Okay. What else did they say? Lastly, is the conscious mind ennobled by the use of the vast resources of the unconscious mind? Right. So again, using the resources of the unconscious mind ennobles the conscious mind, and that is through the use of catalyst. This instrument's dorsal, okay, so Carla is tired. And that's basically it. Wow, we finish pretty fast. Uh, let's read the last question, I think. No, there is there's actually two more questions that I think I have. No, this is it. All right, let's just read it, because I have it here. Don says in question 38, I would like to ask the reason for the session having been longer than most previous sessions, and also if there is anything we can do to make the instrument more comfortable or improve the contact. Ra says, this instrument was given far more than the, shall we say, usual amount of transferred energy. There is a limit to the amount of energy of this type which may be, which may with safety be used. Let's reread it. There is a limit to the amount of energy of this type, which may with safety be used when the instrument is itself without physical reserves. This is inevitably due to the various distortions such as we mentioned previously in this working, having to do with growing dorsal discomfort. The alignments are fastidious. We appreciate your conscientiousness. In order to enhance the comfort of the instrument, it might be suggested that careful manipulation of the dorsal area be accomplished before a working. So these are all uh, instructions for maintaining the contact. It is also suggested that due to the attempt at psychic attack, this instrument will require warmth along the right side of the physical complex. There has been some infringement, but it should be it should not be long lasting. It is, however, well to swaddle this instrument sufficiently to ward off any manifestation of this cold in physical form. I am Ra, I leave you my friends, in the love and in the light of the one infinite creator.
Go forth, therefore, merrily rejoicing in the power and in the peace of the one infinite creator, Adonai. I can't help but read this last part as the way, um, <laughs> speaking of relationships, I, I relate it to the way that they dismiss you at mass in church, it's something similar because it's always the same or very similar. Um, I just remember a great relief <laughs> when that happened. Um, and Ra gives us not the relief of, oh my God, finally I'm done with this, but you know, sort of relief that you finish a session and that is, you know, it's a, hey, it's a motif for celebration, I guess. So, okay, I don't think there's anything that I can take out of here. This is all just part of the story of the contact, Carla, energy transfer and all of this. So I won't get into that. So we can go straight into conclusions. So catalyst. Catalyst is a word that since we start reading the law of one, particularly the law of one, and we get into spirituality and um, the realization of the self and all of this, catalyst is something that we we kind of narrow our focus on, right? We start thinking in terms of catalyst. Um, you know, it's even a joke to like talk about or talk among each other to say, you know, how's your catalyst going? You know, I hope your catalyst is not so strong and whatnot. Oh, my week was full of catalyst and blah, blah, blah. So catalyst becomes that, that focus, right? That's because we have become a lot more conscious of the process of catalyst, right? Whereas before we were, we have always been processing catalyst, but unconsciously or rather um, ignoring its um, its its results its product I think this is the reason also why in spirituality or the spiritual path it is often very often at the beginning of the path a huge struggle it's very difficult because we're letting go of those conditionings that we have over time that makes us comfortable in the way we process experience. Now here's where victimhood is, is a thing, right? We've all been uh, attributing responsibility to other people, uh, authority to other people, and of course, victimhood to ourselves, or in some cases to others, and we are you know, the culprits of what's happening but the the more sincere you are in this path the more you recover responsibility authority and um, should I called this um, oh what's the word I'm looking for accountability yes accountability for yourself 
first you start realizing that it's the problem is was never outside it was inside that's a hard thing to do so at the beginning stages of the spiritual path you may find that you may find that it is a struggle it's difficult oh dark nights of the soul galore <laughs> um, it becomes something of a joke like i said of you know oh my god my catalyst my catalyst uh, dark night of the soul and all of this this is the beginning of the path because what's happening is that you're becoming more aware that catalyst is coming from you it's not from outside and that leaves you in a position which the old self was used to saying well it's their fault it's not mine right that's a separate self likes to point at fingers at other people and not the self so when you when you start to get a hang of this right you start to get used to you being the one responsible for it there is a truck load of weight that gets off your shoulders because you know that you are able to and that's what it's called magic right making changes in consciousness at will that's magic that's white magic perhaps black magic as well i would say but you becoming aware of that becoming responsible for and accountable for everything that you do feel and think well that's that's the great um the great discovery because now it's all within you you don't depend on other people this can be rough because we have relationships with people and we're used to having these toxic relationships in which we point the finger at the other person be brothers or siblings in general parents uh, uh, romantic uh, partners uh, children I mean, we're used to that at work oh my god point fingers everywhere so we're used to that it's 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 a difficult thing but that is catalyst catalyst produces these um potentials for experience and the experience within the archetypical mind is to change the significator to transform the significator right the significator is is it's almost like uh the condensed persona right where everything is everything in the archetypical mind is gravitating around this persona which is constantly changing and so the invitation is to process catalysts in the most efficient way possible now i did mention that i was going to share my way to process catalyst um, i have tried many things i have tried um, in the beginning stages the first couple of months where i became aware of this uh, work in consciousness or spiritual attainment or whatever you want to call it i started doing a lot of uh, inner child work and it was it wasn't fruitful i have to admit it just wasn't fruitful for me i felt like something was missing that i was actually forcing myself to find things in me that i it's almost like i was forcing catalysts out of myself by looking inside and finding where I was abused or uh, treated badly and all these things and there was 
a message in all of this that kept telling me, if this happened already, why are you worried about it? You see, um, if traumas do surface out of this, then the only purpose of it, the only purpose of recognizing that it happened in your childhood is to recognize that it's not you anymore, that it happened already. So once I got this tool, I got rid of the inner child. I said, well, I don't need you anymore. You know, and if you ever come out again, you know, in one of your tantrums, then I know that it's not me. <laughs> that's it, period. Okay, that solves it. Um, then of course, plan medicine. Ah, oh, because in your subconscious, there is a lot of information that you need to take out, you know, and you need to find out and plant medicine helps you with that. Meditation as well. I don't know how to meditate. So, all right, plant medicine, that's it. Uh, I found that it was, um, it was also very, um, it was very powerful, yet it was too uh, entropic, I would say. Uh, it was too chaotic and not only in me but i saw in others especially in others um because me i i guess i was sort of i, I have a high tolerance for for these plants uh, i'm not the only one though there's um there's people who who mentioned this that they're sort of resistant to this to to the medicine itself I don't know why that is, to be honest, um, but I, I saw in other people, and in, in, in some ways in myself, I never had a, a bad experience or a bad trip, as they call it. They're always pleasant and a uh, mystical, in that they were truly mystical. But I saw that there was nothing else to look in there that was uh, of help for me finding peace. Um, most of what stirred my path was just the disturbance of you need to find something that you're missing. And so that, that was the seeking, finding something that I was missing. I looked for it anywhere and everywhere. And you know that, that was another way. And along with it, so I don't make this uh, longer than it should, came other ways of processing catalysts and uh, doing shadow work and working with my uh, with my wife in terms of relationships and finding you know my balance of energies and all of these things my god this can become so tedious <laughs> at least for somebody who who is like me i just want results i don't i don't want to get stuck in this all my life doing all these healing things uh, I actually came up with the term of a spiritual hypochondriac, which is it's a phenomenon that you see out there of people who are uh, completely dedicated to healing themselves of things that they don't have. And so what was the result? The result was that I, and I can say that this came out of nowhere. This came out of a synthesis that happened in my investigation into consciousness, my investigation of myself. And it was that the way that I process catalyst is simply by observing it. Um, for that, of course, I needed to find who I was, not me. Oh, I now know who Gabriel is because I didn't know who Gabriel was before. 
I'm not talking about me as the, the image that I project, but who I am. I am. That was the most powerful thing that liberated me from all of these um, healing paths and balancing exercises and uh, all kinds of things that were, were there because I was facing a lot of catalysts. And so Catalyst now to me is, is still present and comes, but all I need to do is observe it, become conscious of it, become aware of it. And the way this is processed, I can't, that I can't even explain or describe how it happens because um, you, you are not doing anything. Things are happening and you are just becoming aware of them most important thing of this is that the processing of catalyst for me yields always the same result peace peace understanding or comprehension acceptance and um, happiness just being happy to know that I am not that there's nothing wrong with me there is absolutely nothing wrong with me some people may call that arrogance. I call it just knowledge, knowing, just simply knowing. So yeah, catalyst for me is just observing and uh, allowing it to be. It always informs you of more things. You're here to experience things. So the more catalyst comes your way, the more you should be happy about it because it's informing you. It is our resistance to catalyst from the separate self that complicates things. And that was what was complicating things prior to the spiritual path where you were uh, not as peaceful as you are now. So to accelerate the process of catalysts, well, this is what I found. And it's just my way of processing. All right, so we got to the end of session 78. I have nothing else to say, but session 79 is long as well. We have more tarot and archetypical mind, of course. This is going to be the topic of book four. And yeah, we'll get to that. I appreciate everybody who listens to all the way up here. Um, again, I am happy to do this all the time check my Instagram so you can see the work that I'm doing. If you want to follow my method and learn more about what I do, go there. You can find out more about what I'm doing. And if you want to work with me again, that's there. My only interest is to bring peace, this peace that I have, this harmony that I found within myself to share it with others in the way we can do it, the way the the only way we have been able to do it in history is to know the self. And that's the, the only thing I'm interested really to, to share and to teach and to show. So if that interests you, go check my Instagram and you can DM me there if you're interested. Just let me know. Okay, we'll talk. Thank you again. And just take care of yourself. Be happy. Um, when you're unhappy, remember that it's your choice to be unhappy. Take responsibility. Have fun. 
and I'll see you in session 79.